Time for us to begin our midday program here on 880-KRVN. Thank you so much for joining us on this. Uh, it is a Thursday, I believe, as I uh, check the calendar quickly. Yes, we're going to have confirmation from Brandon Minutes. It is, in fact, a Thursday. So. Only because I looked at my watch. Oh, good. Thank you. Thank you. We got Susan on here, and uh, Susan hooked up with us earlier, and uh, I'm glad you're here with us. I heard you got uh, Husker Harvest Days. It's all cleaned up and ready to go. Is that right? It's getting there. It's going to look nice when it's all said and done. It's hard to believe we're we're coming to that time already, man. I know it's like the downhill slide to craziness, but we love it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's like Christmas. It's here, takes forever to get here, and then it's over pretty quickly. Only I Christmas. know. Yeah, it's crazy. Exactly. All right, what do you got for us today? Well, coming up, we're going to check everything else starting at twelve nineteen. We're going to hear from Ori Cox, who is the executive director of the Nebraska State Fair. Dave's going to have that interview i won't take the thunder away from brandon we'll let him talk about his 1245 and then arlen suderman joins me at 117 there's been an increase in hog prices in china not only for the hogs that they're that they're going to be eating but the hogs they need to raise those baby pigs so we'll get more details from him at 117 all right very good short and sweet today thank you susan you're very welcome well, the National Football League gets back in action tonight as the Monsters of the Midway get ready to take on Soldier Field. So the Packers and Bears, uh, you know, that doesn't get much more NFL than that. Could not be more fitting for the 150th anniversary of football and the 100th anniversary of the NFL for the Packers and the Bears. Mm-hmm. No word on what the superfans are doing. But if you haven't seen the video yet with them and Brett Favre, it is comedy oh, gold. Yeah. It is absolutely phenomenal. So, yes, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Also, speaking of talking about, my 1245 newsmaker this afternoon is with Bob Eblen. He's the national columnist for D2Football.com. And there are 11 colleges in this state that sponsor collegiate football, and the majority of them are in the NCAA Division II or the NAIA. So we're going to talk about the NCAA Division II landscape across the nation and especially what uh, his thoughts are on the Lopers. And he even makes a little bit of, a, I think, a surprising prediction for how well UNK football is going to do. Then at 1225, I'll be back and better than ever and talk about the Husker offense, a little bit of a disappointment against South Alabama and how they're going to rebound. We're going to hear from Kansas State head football coach, Coach Kleiman. Chris is going to offer his preview of Bowling Green and the University of Nebraska. Carney named a new head softball coach last night. We will talk with Carney native Kelly Ackerman. Right. Katie Ackerman, excuse me. Kelly and Katie. Katie, yeah. That's Katie Ackerman. It's okay. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Let's turn it over to Dave Schroeder in here and uh, talk about the roller coaster that is uh, the markets. Yes, as we've been talking, uh, as we've been talking, of course, this past week and uh, in recent weeks as well, trade tensions between uh, the U.S. and China have escalated, and the new tariffs are kicking in from last weekend. Well, that's uh, uh, kind of uh, affecting the the uh, stock market again. Uh, stocks are trading uh, pretty high today. Technology stocks among the biggest winners. Chip makers are especially reliant on doing business with China. That rose. Uh, Intel, for instance, uh, rose at 3.6%. We should mention that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up uh, a little over 414 points at this moment. All right, very good. That's all coming up on Midday. Hi, this is Jason Jorgensen inviting you to join me for the Big Ten Blitz this fall on 880 KRVN. Now it's our daily look at the happenings across the Big Ten Conference sports-wise. 
That's the Big Ten Blitz, weekdays at 9.50, only on 880 KRV. Time for us to take a look at weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in studio with me now, and uh, things are going to warm up in a hurry today. Yes, uh, for at least a day we're going to see some summer-like heat, but back to more summer, uh, mm-hmm. September-like levels as we head towards tomorrow and on into early to middle part of next week. Husker Harvest Day is looking like it should be pretty good for us any uh, for favorable weather if you're checking out all the events there. That's good. That's because we have not always got to say that. <laughs> no. Of course, yes. The, the changing seasons of September, you never know what you can get for yes. as far as rain and, of course, heat or cold. There. We've okay. seen it all. At exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Betcha. Right now, we do have some clouds stretching from north central into northeastern Nebraska, basically from about O'Neill down to the Omaha area, and that's where we do have a little bit of light rain still continuing to fall on an off-and-on basis. Very light and scattered activity from O'Neill to Norfolk, Albion to the West Point area. Also a band of clouds stretching from about O'Neill down to northwest to Broken Bow to the North Platte area, but no rain with those uh, clouds. Otherwise, lots of sunshine across the area, and those temperatures warming up very quickly into the upper 70s to the low 80s for the most part. Already seeing some Mid-80s to around 90 over northwest Kansas and northeast Colorado. Burlington, Colorado, up to 91 already. It's 90 in the Colby area. And you'll start to feel that humidity today, that humidity continuing to increase. The dew points right now on into the mid and upper 60s. Today likely to be our hottest day of the next week as our temperatures spike into the 90s just ahead of the cold front that will be moving through the region. With that front getting closer this afternoon, some lighter winds and more humidity will make it feel hot and stuffy. Expecting those heat index readings to top out in the mid to upper 90s. Some steady northerly winds behind that cold front's passage for tonight will keep our lows on the mild side. With some high pressure building from the north tomorrow, temperatures back to more seasonal levels. The pattern turning a bit unsettled with some low pressure arriving from the northern Rockies over the weekend. There will be some off and on small thunderstorm chances for tomorrow night through early next week. A few of those storms could go strong to severe, but overall not expecting a lot of rain or much severe activity. There will be multiple thunderstorm chances, but many areas will be mainly dry. Over the weekend, the middle over the weekend through the middle of next week, our temperatures are at seasonal levels. Little to no thunderstorms are expected for the middle of next week, which, of course, is right during Husker harvest days. In our long-term outlook, above-normal temperatures are likely for Tuesday through September 18th for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and eastern U.S., especially in the southern U.S., slightly above-normal rainfalls predicted for Nebraska and Kansas Tuesday through the 18th, that better chance of precipitation across the northern U.S. In the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska improved a percentage point to 99% drought-free. Still some abnormal dryness continues in far eastern Nebraska around Tacoma, West Point, and Pender. Kansas improved 7 percentage points to 85% drought-free. The abnormal dryness and moderate drought continue over the southwest from Dighton and La Crosse to the southwest corner. Weather factors affecting market trade include delayed Midwest crop development and continued favorable late-season weather in the Black Sea region. Much of the U.S. will experience mostly dry weather into early next week. Some late-week shower activity will increase across the north and eventually reach as far east as the upper Great Lakes. During the weekend, cooler air will engulf much of the northern U.S. Lingering heat will be confined mostly to the south. Midwest crop weather will be mostly favorable for filling and maturing corn and soybeans, but crop progress is still behind average, well behind average. Some production loss is even possible if the first freeze occurs at the average first date. Northern areas of the Midwest and Plains forecast to see moderate to heavy rain that will further slow the crop development. 
today and early tomorrow. Hurricane Dorian will pass very close to the coastal Carolinas. Eastern Carolinas can expect flooding from heavy rain totaling 6 to 12 inches or more. The remnants of Tropical Storm Fernand could produce some locally heavy rain through today across southern Texas. Russia and Ukraine in the Black Sea region warm and dry the next five days. That will mostly favorable crops now in the filling stage in Russia and Ukraine. All right. Very good. Well, you know, Jason had said to me before he went down uh, to Joplin that it was going to be really hot down there. Looks like it's uh, it's going to be pretty warm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're uh, not too far off from our temperatures. And, of course, a little more humidity down there. Yes. Uh, Mid-80s and those dew points right now in the low 70s in southern Missouri right now. That finally found Joplin. Yeah, dew points <laughs> at 73 and temperature at 85. And that puts that heat index for Jason Jorgensen down there currently at 92, just approaching the noon hour. Well, he'll be he'll be nice and warm then, won't he? You betcha. The Lopers on 93.1 the river once again this year. Kickoff to 9 to 6. I know. Crazy. What do you, what do you have? 113th football season yes. for the Lopers. That's, yeah. that's, a lot of, that's a lot of football. And they've got things on the uptick there. Luckily. I think so, too. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors. The Nebraska Corn Board. Nebraska Land National Bank. And the Nebraska Soybean Board, powering our ag news travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network and the 150th Nebraska State Fair just ended in Grand Island and the talking director of the fair, Lori Cox. And Lori, it was quite an event this year. You're right, Dave. You know, we were pretty excited about that last weekend and all that sunshine and it sure made a difference on our numbers. Tell me about some of the highlights of this past fair. Well, I think we were uh, pretty pleased with all of the kids. You know, it's all about the youth, and so many uh, good things were happening in both the 4-H and FFA side, but as well as our open class competitions on livestock and static static exhibits as well, all of the competitions and into our education department, open class. Um, really excited about those kids and competitions all across the week, especially for the 150th. We also um, were really pleased with our concert turnout. Uh, those 12 shows and cranking those out you know, one after the other, it was it was quite a flip every day, and I'm um, just real proud of the team for that as well. Well, I imagine there will probably be some tweaking for next year's fair, but is there any uh, insights you might uh, give us a sneak peek on? Well, I think you can probably expect that the concert model will continue. Um, those bundles were very successful this year. We would expect to uh, uh, see something, again, refreshed in those bundles. I I don't know what the genres will be for next year, and that's the fun part of the exploration phase, which is what we're in now with with different artists. So I would expect that to be um, continually uh, renewed every year in something fresh and different. So the bundle itself, the marketing portion of that was was great. We also felt really good about the new layout uh, with the uh, core team. We took a good look. At, at that about midweek and walked and talked that uh, process and we know that there's some things we would love to be able to adjust and uh, spent a lot of time talking with vendors and and just getting those reactions is really important to us so as we continue to tweak on that new model uh, making it better and better that's that's really critically important 
the SkyTram. Uh, tell us a little bit about what was the nature of those uh, problems with the SkyTram. Well, you know, with all things mechanical, there's always a chance for something to happen, um, just like a tractor not running some some afternoon. You know, it's always something that uh, seems to be a constant battle to, to have to worry about, and Carnival operators are no different. That SkyTram has a pony motor. That pony motor is the backup system, the auxiliary system, and uh, the motor itself was working fine. It was demoed in the morning just like it does every single day to make sure it's ready to go as a backup. But uh, when it engaged um, upon the main system failure, when it engaged, the motor worked fine, but it, it didn't drive the the drive line the way it should, and, and so that was the mechanical failure. Um, and the beautiful thing about that was, well, it took some time, of course, to get folks off that sky ride. Uh, they were safely on the ground within about 50 minutes, and Wade Shows just did a heck of a job making that happen. And I imagine it'll be uh, back for uh, the next fair. Oh, yes. That Sky Tram is one of our most popular rides. Lori, anything else to add about this past Nebraska State Fair? I think it's just a wonderful celebration of agriculture. Our mission all the time is to push that message uh, of where our food comes from and who produces that food, how it, how it is uh, from the farm to the table process and, and the management of such, and Nebraska being such a pivotal part of all things ag nationally and, and around the world. So we're just proud to be a part of that message. Well, I've been visiting with Lori Cox, Executive Director of the Nebraska State Fair, and I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. Equip your smartphone with the free KRVN app, powered by Capital Sales. Get breaking story alerts, up-to-date market information, and live weather in your pocket. Listen to podcasts on your time, watch the latest KRVN videos, and receive closings and cancellation information, all at your fingertips. Download the KRVN app for iPhone and Android wherever you get free apps. Proudly powered by Capital Sales. It is time for us to take a look at sports, and Brandon Bennett's in here, live and in color, and uh, we are ready to go with a, yes, you're wearing a black shirt, that's a little blue loper on there, so. It is time for us to take a look at sports, and Brandon Bennett's in here, live and in color, and uh, we are ready to go with a, yes, you're wearing a black shirt, that's a little blue loper on there so yeah in color you said that i was live in color i'm so white i'm almost pink well you're so there's not a whole lot of color here for me well lack of color is also a color i guess that's true and if you can smell that it in fact does smell like football season we got a little bit of a tease on saturday when mm-hmm. most division one teams were in action and now your division two teams kick off tonight in the miaa as we talked about in our teaser at the 11 30 sure enough football on the professional side is kicking off it's a great time to be in america yes sir after a disappointing effort against Southern Alabama, excuse me, South Alabama, completely different school, Southern Alabama, the Nebraska offense is more energized for Saturday's game at Colorado. Offensive coordinator Troy Walter says practice this week is much better than last week's average effort. Guys came out Monday with a great attitude. We know we put uh, South Alabama in the past. Came out Monday focused. Tuesdays, the guys uh, pushed through that, had great detail, and then today was even better. The guys should have confidence going into Boulder, hostile environment good football team they should be a lot more confident based on our practices this week i call this the south end zone bowl because both colorado 
got the fifth down at the south end zone at Faroe Field in 1989. And then in 1997, that was Scott Frost's kicked ball to Matt Davison that Nebraska beat Mizzou mm-hmm. was at that, the south was end that zone. Was that the south end zone? Both were the, in the south end zone. I affectionately call this the south end zone bowl whenever Colorado and Nebraska square off. The former conference rival set for 2.30 p.m. Central kickoff at CU's Folsom Field. No joke about Folsom Prison there. We're just going to let that one go. Complete coverage here on KRVN, as always, three hours before kickoff at 11.30 Central Time. After a big 49-14 victory last week to open the season over Nichols State, new Kansas State head coach Chris Kleiman has turned his focus on this week's matchup versus Bowling Green. Coach Kleiman offers this preview of the Falcons. It's difficult to prepare for those guys because we're watching, obviously, their one game and then watching other games from different staffs where the coordinators were, and so... You don't have in, in a blowout win like like they had. You, it's kind of difficult to say. Well, this is what they do. You know, there's there's some carryover from what we've seen with the coordinators from other schools, but um, it'll be a work in progress. You know, we're watching film uh, of past years. You know, as well as not just that last game. I suppose the well to continue the theme here. This could be called the new coaches bowl. Because not only do Bowling Green have a brand new head coaching staff from top to bottom, of course, Coach Kleiman brought most of his conference, his coaching staff from the six-time Division One AA FBS, uh, FCS rather, North yeah. Dakota State. Well, Case- and and one thing I'd mentioned too that uh, you know Bowling Green is not Nickel State, no. but uh, they're not Alabama either. No. So no. so a good start for Coach Kleiman yeah. here. We've all seen at least the reboot of the longest yard and why you have that tune-up game. Exactly. Kansas State has two. That's right. Kickoff is set for eight, excuse me, 11 a.m. Saturday morning in Manhattan. The University of Nebraska Kearney announced its new softball head coach at a press conference yesterday evening. Kearney native Katie Ackerman has been tabbed as the Lopers' ninth head coach in history. After being a star player, both Kearney High and a record-setting player in terms of both career home runs and average or home runs for a season over her senior year at Shadron State. Ackerman talks about why she took on the new role for the Lopers. To be involved in a place that I love, a place that is familiar to me, um, it's just an opportunity I had to take. Uh, I want to thank Mark Bauer. I want to thank senior staff. I want to thank the entire athletic program for believing in me and choosing me to be the right fit for this position. Ackerman was most recently the top assistant coach at the McCook Community College for the last three years. She was recently named interim head coach when their head coach left about a month ago to take another position. She's also been the assistant coach at McCook High School and Shadron State before that. And we mentioned this earlier, 150 years of football. That's really good. Wow, that's very good. The NFL opens its 100th season tonight in Chicago when the Bears host NFC North rival Green Bay. The Bears, who won the division last year 12-4, and seeking their first season opening victory since 2013. Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, which is the replacement after Brett Favre. Mm -hmm. And again, if you haven't seen it, Google Brett Favre Bears super fan. It's about a five-minute video the NFL put out. Classic. Aaron Rodgers has beaten Chicago in 16 of the last 21 starts. So something's got to give, and uh, we're still waiting on word from does super fans. And by the way, we have an entire generation of millennials now who have no idea who the super fans were. George went and Chris Farley back in the day. Duh, Bears mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live classic series of skits. 
I feel really old because they don't know who they are. Yeah, well, that's uh, they don't they don't know who Didke is either. So that's, that's they don't true. remember Didke. As a record-setting tight end, no less. Right. The really old football fans remember him back in the playing days before he became a coach. Yep, with the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely. Yep. So there you go. All right. Is Thank you. It, is that it for you today? That's it. That's all I got. All right. Thank you, Brad. Good to see you, brother. Governor Pete Ricketts has kicked off a new trade mission to Vietnam and Japan to promote Nebraska's agricultural products and present the state as a top place for international investment. The trade mission began in Hanoi, Vietnam, where the delegation was scheduled to meet with government officials and business leaders. Delegates on the mission include state agricultural and economic development officials, University of Nebraska leaders, and business and trade groups. The UNK softball team found their new head coach in Katie Ackerman. Ackerman spoke at her press conference on Wednesday about meeting her team for the first time. Um, I had the opportunity to meet the girls just prior to this. Um, I know it was short, but in that time, um, I knew that they are prepared. They have been patient through this entire process, um, but you can tell that they didn't take time off um, in the gym and in the classroom so far and just being mentally prepared. Ackerman, a Kearney High graduate, was previously a top assistant coach at McCook Community College and played college softball at Shadron State. Authorities say a Wyoming man died after his car collided with tanker truck on Interstate 80 in western Nebraska. Tuesday's crash occurred about seven miles west of Sydney. The Nebraska State Patrol says 20-year-old Chance Sively was headed west when his car ran off his lane and onto rumble strips. The patrol says Sively overcorrected, crossed the median, striking the eastbound tanker truck. Authorities say Sively was pronounced dead at the scene. He lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Hutchinson, Kansas police say a 29-year-old woman who was found unconscious in an alley in August has died. The Hutchinson News reports Laura Beth Stratton had been on life support at a Wichita hospital since she was found strangled on August 24th. She died Wednesday. Two people were arrested in Stratton's assault. The Nebraska State Patrol is assisting the Keith County Sheriff's Office investigating a train pedestrian accident. It occurred at a railroad crossing in Paxson and was reported around 10.15 a.m. Monday morning. The deceased victim was identified as 27-year-old Tiana Locum. Experts testifying in a fraud lawsuit against the Knights of Columbus allege the group is inflating its membership. The testimony comes in a federal civil lawsuit filed in Denver by a computer company that had hoped to become the Catholic group's designated provider of online services. Finally, in Lincoln, searches for weapons and drugs and other contraband have been undertaken during a lockdown at the Nebraska State Penitentiary. Officials say the lockdown that began Wednesday morning was needed because of the increase in assaults on staffers and among inmates, as well as an increase in the use of synthetic marijuana, or K2. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. Brandon Bennett's with the Rural Radio Network, talking with Bob Eblen, national columnist with D2Football.com, our annual check-in about the state of Division II football and his thoughts on the upcoming year. Bob, if we could start off first with your thoughts on your first column of the year, general overview of the national landscape and more. It's going to be a very interesting year when you look at 
the two teams that played for the national championship game last year, Valdosta State and Ferris State. It was an epic game, 49-47. to A lot of very talented players, and both of those teams have a lot of guys coming back, including the two quarterbacks for each team. J. Rue Campbell from Ferris State won the Harlan Hill Trophy last year, and, and Rogan Wells from Valdosta was a finalist. So those teams are going to be really strong. Minnesota State who lost in the semifinals last year and has kind of been, I guess you'd say, the bridesmaid of D2 football the last six or seven years. I was kind of right there on the cusp, but has not won a national championship yet. Has just about everybody returning from that team. So another really strong team there, and uh, I think it's going to be a very entertaining year. Bob, also from the national scene, we had a four-time champion and a first-time finalist in last year's national championship game. That's after we had the two first-time teams in the national championship game the year before. What does that say about the parity in Division II football across the nation? Is it more of a trend now, or has it just been a couple-year fluke? There's been quite a bit of parity over the years. You know, you've had at times, you know, Northwest Missouri State won a couple in a row here a few years ago. Minnesota Duluth has been good at times. But when you look at it, you know, you compare the Division II level to the other levels of college football, and there's more parity in Division II than I think any other division right now. You know, Division One A is dominated by Clemson and Alabama, FCS, you have NDSU winning every year, and then you go down to Division Three, and it seems like Mount Union's winning the championship every year. So it adds a lot of flavor and interest, I think, in Division Two when you go into any given season, and there's 8 to 10, 12 teams that have got a good shot at winning the championship. Brandon Bennett's with the Rural Radio Network talking with Bob Eblen, national columnist with D2Football.com. The D2 season kicks off this evening across the nation. Bob, in the NCAA Division II preseason coaches poll, we have two MIAA teams in the top 25 and four others receiving votes. That's down from three and five respectively to start the year last year. What do you see or expect out of this year's conference output for the MIAA with those lower numbers? Are we looking at a down year in the MIAA? Honestly, when you look at the last couple of years, I think the league has been down a little bit. In the really the, the main way to quantify that is you look at playoff records, and the MIAA has only won one game the last two seasons. Part of that, I think, is the scheduling, the conference-only scheduling. When there aren't any non-conference games, it's a little bit difficult year-to-year to compare where you stand. And so you're kind of flying blind coming into the playoffs, not really knowing what our team's good this year and have a good chance or are we down just a little bit so I, I do think the league has been down a little bit now this year i think you know when you look at the top of the league northwest missouri state i think will be improved they had a freshman quarterback last year braden wright who's got a year of experience under his belt and getting rave reviews this fall and the other pieces to their program always seem to be in place defensively etc i think central missouri is a team that's going to be improved from last year and they returned brooke bowles who got hurt in the first game last year is their quarterback, missed the entire season. He's back, along with nine or ten defensive starters. So those two teams should be good. I look for Pitt State to be pretty good. And I think Nebraska Kearney's got a shot at getting in the upper half of the league this year. So, you know, it's always hard to tell. It seems to ebb and flow a little bit. Some of these other conferences in Division Two, like the Great American Conference or the Mountain East, Mountain West Virginia, that have been weaker, say, the last ten years or so, have gotten a lot better, a lot more competitive the last couple of years. So... Overall, I think the MIAA's got a little bit of work cut out for it to get back to being that premier conference in D2. Bob, you just mentioned the Lopers. UNK enters the third year of the Josh Lynn era. Year number one, three and eight. Last year, they went five and six and were four plays away from having three extra wins, and they returned the majority of starters on both sides of the ball. Any insights into the Lopers for the 2019 campaign? 
Well, I know when I looked at the preseason media and the coaches poll in the MIAA, UNK was picked ninth in both polls. I think that's way too low. You look at what is returning, and really you look at the way Coach Lynn has built the program. A lot of times, it seems to me in college football, coaches that come in and have a bit of a rebuilding job to do, the first thing they want to do is, wow, we're going to bring in a quarterback and throw the ball all over the field and try to outscore people. And that usually does not work. And he's taken more of the approach, let's be more physical, let's play good defense, let's run the ball. And you look at what the Lopers did last year, and they were really solid in those areas of the game. And they have Darius Webb returning, who's a very good running back. I really think if Nebraska Kearney can improve the passing game some, you know, I don't think it's going to be a team that's going to air it out 35, 40 times a game, but it needs to be a bit more effective in the play-action game to play off of the running game, make a few more plays there, and I think, you know, you could see the win total go from five up to as many as eight or even nine this year. So I really like Nebraska Kearney. The other thing I like about the Lopers is that all the tough games are at home. So, of course, you don't expect maybe to win all those games, but when you have most of the tough opponents in the league come to your place, uh, you can pick off a couple, three wins there, and you're set up for a good season. Bob, the last word is yours. Any final thoughts on the beginning of the D2 football season? I think it's going to be an interesting year. I think the top two, three teams I mentioned at the beginning here are going to be really good, you know, really high-level D2 teams, and it's going to be tough for anyone to knock off the likes of Eldasa, Ferris, Minnesota State this year when it comes to playing for a championship. But as I mentioned before, there has been a history of parity in this division, and um, usually there's a team or two that comes out of nowhere and, you know, had an 8-3 and three type season last year and all of a sudden puts it all together this year. And so uh, it would not surprise me to see someone that's uh, off the radar a little bit challenge for the national championship this year. That was Bob Evelyn, national columnist with D2Football.com, offering his thoughts on the Division II football schedule that kicks off nationwide this evening. With the Rural Radio Network, this is Brandon Bennett. Time for us to take a look in the business world and uh, the overnights in the world markets anyway. For Japan, the, ja- the Japanese Nikkei was up. 446 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong down 76. The FTSE in London was down 39, and the German DAX index was up 101. So mixed results there. Here in the United States, another update in the markets as the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 399 points. The NASDAQ is up 123, and the S&P is up 37. We'll turn it over to Dave Schroeder with Well, thanks, Scott. Stocks are solidly higher today in midday trading as the U.S. and China have agreed to restart trade talks next month. And there's been some encouraging reports on the economy. Markets, as you know, has been jittery in recent weeks as trade tensions between the two countries have escalated and new tariffs kicked in last weekend. Governor Pete Ricketts has kicked off a new trade mission to Vietnam and Japan to promote Nebraska's agricultural products and present the state as a top place for international investment. The governor's office says Vietnamese is the third most spoken language in Nebraska behind English and Spanish. The trip is Ricketts' fourth trade mission to Asia in the last five years. A private survey finds that U.S. businesses added a healthy 195,000 jobs last month. Payroll processor ADP says that Hiring occurred broadly among small and medium-sized and large businesses. Healthcare, restaurants, hotels, and professional services all added jobs at a healthy pace. 
The figures don't include government hiring and frequently diverge from the government's official report, which is scheduled to be released tomorrow. U.S. long-term mortgage rates fell this week, with the average on the key 30-year loan reaching its lowest point in nearly three years. Mortgage rates have fallen sharply as the slowing global economy and tensions from the trade war between the U.S. and China have caused interest rates on government bonds to tumble. The yields on government bonds influence long-term mortgage rates. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long, and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has a custom Dodge bulge hood and a spray-on bedliner. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through through Nebraska Farm Bureau. Helping us bring the Ram to your town is Foz Garage, Arapaho and Bomb Motor Company, Cambridge, Eustis Body Shop, Eustis Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln, and Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the Ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. The price of pork and breeding hogs getting expensive in China. So what's going on? Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I asked that of Arlen Suderman yesterday during the Fontenelle final bell, and he definitely agrees there's an increase in that value. Well, we anticipate that it's going to mean stronger export shipments. We have seen an increase in export shipments, but not to the degree that we anticipate that it will be. And we've been anticipating that that will ramp up as we go into the fourth quarter of this year, maybe even this yet this month, we'll have to see. But China has been living off of its reserves. How big are those reserves? Nobody knows. That's a very tightly held trade secret. And even our sources in China haven't been able to give us a good feel for that. We've been anticipating the reserves would tighten up sometime around the month of September based on what some of our contacts were telling us, but we really didn't have much confidence on it. Well, maybe we are seeing some evidence now. Um, first of all, let's put in backdrop here that China's big moment is coming up on October 1st. That is a holiday it is very proud of. It starts a week-long holiday called its Golden Week. And it is to celebrate the 70th anniversary on October 1st of, of the current form of government in communist China, uh, the birth of it. And so it's it's a big to-do in China. So they want all the people happy and everything. And they what they don't want is a lot of social unrest because of food inflation. And the number one cause of food inflation is high pork prices. So you would think that if they had plenty of pork in their reserve, they would be releasing it as much as possible to hold down pork prices. What has happened in pork prices in China? Up 30% in August over the previous month. Not the previous year, but over the previous month, up 30% uh, to record high prices. Some that's a real concern. And some provinces have actually started releasing vouchers for getting pork at discounted rates, one kilogram a day, uh, to limit how much. But the provinces trying to hold down food inflation are doing this voucher system reminiscent of what they did back in the 1980s. So 
Now, that would suggest to us that the supply of pork coming out of the freezer in China may be starting to tighten. Um, other other evidence that we're seeing um, is uh, that uh, uh, piglet prices in China up 95% year-on-year because the breeding herd has gotten so small because of how hard it's been hit by African swine fever. We're also hearing from Vietnam, 13% of its pig stock gone. That's 4 million hogs. Um, and, of course, we've talked in previous programs how it's spreading throughout that East Asia area as well as Russia and now Eastern Europe as well. As that continues to spread, and you, you talk about the, the tightening supplies that they're seeing in the freezers, at what point does China kind of swallow their pride and say, we need to feed our people, we need to reach out more globally? Yeah, that's the big key question we don't have the answer to. It would seem that common sense would say, trade war or not, they need the pork to keep peace at home, particularly with Hong Kong, the risk of the uh, freedom demonstrations or democracy demonstrations in Hong Kong spreading into mainland China. They want to keep their people happy. And so I, I think that's going to be one of the keys. How do things go in Hong Kong? Those comments with Arlen Suderman of FC Stone. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. In the grain markets today, we saw soybeans under pressure, but wheat was higher. Let's uh, talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We'll start on that soybean picture with, uh, you know, the par- prospects of a, another meeting with China, and yet we didn't rally today. Yeah, basis fell in the, in the Gulf, so after the big week, big month of, of August for shipments, um, I don't know. It's hard to say that that's exactly why the market would have fallen a dime. Wheat rallying, um, maybe had some offsetting spread effect there, but uh, the harvest starting down in the most southern parts of the, of the country here probably have a little bit to do with the basis basis falling. There's a gap on the on the Jan chart all the way down there in like the 930s that scares, or I'm sorry, in the 830s that scares me a little bit as far as technically. I think eventually you do see that level. If nothing would change, but I just don't think you chase this here. I, I would imagine tomorrow we'll find some levity and. We've seen this a few times in the last couple of weeks. It breaks down to 860, and then before you know, we're right back pushing 875 again. And corn kind of flat today. But what about uh, wheat? The light buying held up, and I think the dollar had a reversal a little bit. Yeah, I think the wheat market is specifically, you know, the Chicago market, but Casey's going to follow too, is, is really tied to, to what the global economy looks like here. And, you know, I, I think two nights ago we had the. Uh, the Hong Kong situation resolve itself where um, it sounds like the bill for extradition is going to get dropped and that all of the European um, sovereign bonds rallied on that and that created a, b- a bit on the euro, a bit on the pound uh, and the dollar fell and uh, it fell against a lot of emerging markets as well in Asia so I think that's a little bit more of a relief rally here. Wheat is so cheap on the board I, I understand that it's you know cheap in cash as well but we've really seen $4 for that secondary contract be a good buy spot. We got there to the third contract yesterday where March had actually broken below four and obviously today you're getting some short covering on that. The board is so short that it's hard to see that we're just not going to uh, get some sort of uptick here. Um, I, I think selling 425 uh, July 20 futures would be a little bit misguided at this point. And you look at uh, the delayed harvest and delayed uh, progress up in the northern plains plus the forecast for maybe some more rain uh, maybe that was another reason why Minneapolis also saw a rally. Yeah, Minneapolis is a lot like the the KC market here. Just 
it's just like five dollars for four. It's four dollars. So we broke through the five level. level traded, I think, four eighty on the front month September. December broke five, and then now, now today on the relief, we're back above five. I think we has a decent upside play here if the USDA would cooperate in the next report. Although, if you are a buyer, I might wait till that passes. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Their website, danielsagmarketing.com. Well, that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.